0: You're listening to the podcast Bible Companion Series by author P.H. Thompson. This is a chronological Bible study going chapter by chapter, discovering Christ in all of Scripture. This is Deuteronomy chapter 1, verses 1 through 8, the command to leave Horeb, Sinai. Almost the entire book of Deuteronomy contains speeches by Moses just prior to entering Canaan. It is basically the new nation of Israel's constitution, outlining how the nation is to demonstrate love and obedience to God. They are to take God's word seriously, for it was not a trivial side matter, but their very life. The Israelites are camped in the wilderness, east of the Jordan, across from Jericho, in the territory of Moab. It is the 40th year since leaving Egypt, the first day of the 11th month. An 11-day journey has taken more than 38 years. The years of judgment where they wandered in the wilderness, were ending. It's estimated this is January or February of 1405 B.C. They were here before, poised to enter Canaan. But last time they failed to trust God. This was their do-over, a second chance. He speaks to the whole nation who are united in thought and purpose. All of what he'll say to them is applicable to all. Some of their enemies had already been defeated east of the Jordan—Sihon, king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon, and Og, king of Bashan, who reigned in Ashtaroth. Moses reminds them of their history, recounting God's faithfulness and their rebellion. He doesn't review everything recorded in Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers, but explains the significance of those events and gives them instruction on how to walk with God and be blessed in the land they are about to enter. He will warn them of the danger of sin, the pleasure of obedience, and the promises of God to bless them. If they would do this, then it would witness to the whole world about the goodness and holiness of God. He said, The Lord our God said to us at Horeb, You have stayed long enough at this mountain. Break camp and advance into the hill country of the Amorites. Go to all the neighboring peoples in the Arabah, in the mountains, in the western foothills, in the Negev and along the coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the Euphrates. See, I have given you this land. Go in and take possession of the land the Lord swore he would give to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac and Jacob, and to their descendants after them. He reminds them of the covenant God made with their ancestors, to bless them and to multiply their descendants and to give them the land. Two-thirds of this promise had already been fulfilled. This promise was the basis for the conquest of the land. These three patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, are almost always mentioned together, seven times in this book alone. This covenant was originally given to Abraham and then reiterated to Isaac and then to Jacob. This book is a call to covenant renewal for the conquest generation. Verses 9 through 18, Appointment of Elders. He reminds them of an incident in Exodus chapter 18 and Numbers chapter 11, where he told them, You are too heavy a burden for me to carry alone. The Lord your God has increased your numbers so that today you are as numerous as the stars in the sky. May the Lord, the God of your ancestors, increase you a thousand times and bless you as he has promised. But how can I bear your problems and your burdens and your disputes all by myself? He reminded them that God had faithfully multiplied them as promised to Abraham. The descendants of Abraham through Isaac numbered around two million people. This book echoes both Genesis chapter 1 and Exodus chapter 1 about being fruitful and multiplying. He wished for even more growth, an infinitely large number, described as increased a thousand times. But the downside of it was that there were many of them to govern, and only one Moses. So he suggested, Choose some wise, understanding, and respected men from each of your tribes, and I will set them over you. They agreed. He says, So I took the leading men of your tribes, wise and respected men, and appointed them to have authority over you as commanders of thousands, of hundreds, of fifties, and of tens, and as tribal officials. And I charged your judges at that time. Hear the disputes between your people and judge fairly, whether the case is between two Israelites or between an Israelite and a foreigner residing among you. Do not show partiality in judging. Hear both small and great alike. Do not be afraid of anyone for judgment belongs to God. Bring me any case too hard for you, and I will hear it. And at that time I told you everything you were to do. This was the establishment of secondary leadership that would form the basis of the great Sanhedrin in later times. The qualifications of these men were that they were to be wise and respected. They should be able to apply their knowledge and be discerning and able to judge fairly, without showing partiality. Any cases that were too hard for them, Moses would hear. Verses 19-25, through spies sent out. Then Moses recalls what happened when he sent spies into Canaan 39 years earlier. Then, as the Lord our God commanded us, we set out from Horeb and went toward the hill country of the Amorites through all that vast and dreadful wilderness that you have seen. And so we reached Kadesh Barnea. Then I said to you, You have reached the hill country of the Amorites, which the Lord your God is giving us. See, the Lord your God has given you the land. Go up and take possession of it, as the Lord, the God of your ancestors, told you. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Then all of you came back to me and said, Let us send men ahead to spy out the land for us, and bring back a report about the route we are to take, and the towns we will come to. The idea seemed good to me, so I selected twelve of you, one man from each tribe. They left and went up into the hill country and came to the valley of Eshkol and explored it. Taking with them some of the fruit of the land, they brought it down to us and reported, It is a good land that the Lord our God is giving us. Verses 26-33 to Rebellion But you were unwilling to go up. You rebelled against the command of the Lord your God. You grumbled in your tents and said, The Lord hates us, so he brought us out of Egypt to deliver us into the hands of the Amorites to destroy us. Where can we go? Our brothers have made our hearts melt in fear. They say the people are stronger and taller than we are. The cities are large with walls up to the sky. We even saw the Anakites there. These were the descendants of Anak. They were also called the Anakim. And the m ending makes it plural. Uh, These people were noted for their height and their military power. Then I said to you, Do not be afraid. Do not be terrified of them. The Lord your God, who is going before you, will fight for you, as he did for you in Egypt, before your very eyes, and in the wilderness. There you saw how the Lord your God carried you, As a father carries his son, all the way you went until you reached this place. God speaks of this in Isaiah 46, 3 and 4, linking his past faithfulness to his future faithfulness to them. Listen to me, you descendants of Jacob, all the remnant of the people of Israel, with whom I have upheld since your birth and have carried since you were born. Even to your old age and gray hairs, I am he. I am he who will sustain you. I have made you, and I will carry you. I will sustain you, and I will rescue you. Later on, in Deuteronomy 3210 10-12, Moses will say, In a desert land he found him, in a barren and howling waste. He shielded him and cared for him. He guarded him as the apple of his eye, like an eagle that stirs up its nest and hovers over its young that spreads its wings to catch them and carries them aloft. The Lord alone led him. No foreign God was with him. He says, In spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God, who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night and in a cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way you should go. They had no reason to distrust God. Moses tied their lack of obedience to their lack of faith in God. This was outright rebellion. They deliberately and defiantly refused God's command to take the land. This was in contrast to the ongoing faithfulness of God in leading them supernaturally, day by day since they left Egypt, as he had directed them in the past, so he would direct them in the future. Verses 34-40, to the penalty for Israel's rebellion. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation shall see the good land that I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. He will see it, and I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on, because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. God heard what their what their complaints were in their tents, and he knew their thoughts and words which led to their rebellious, rebellious defiance, So he made an oath that only two people from that entire generation of adults would enter the land. Caleb's wholehearted obedience is a sharp contrast to the rest of the people. Then he says, Because of you the Lord became angry with me also and said, You shall not enter it either, but your assistant Joshua, son of Nun, will enter it. Encourage him, because he will lead Israel to inherit it. And the little ones that you said would be taken captive, Your children, who do not yet know good from bad, they will enter the land. I will give it to them and they will take possession of it. But as for you, turn around and set out toward the desert along the route to the Red Sea. So, even though Moses' disobedience occurred almost 39 years after Israel's failure at Kadesh, he included it here with Israel's disobedience because it was similar and the resulting punishment was the same. Sin has consequences. No one but Joshua, Caleb, and the generation that was under the age of 20 at the time would enter the promised land. They would demonstrate the faith required to enter Canaan, faith their parents did not possess. Verses 41-46, to Further Defiance As punishment sometimes causes people to recognize their errors, so then. Then you replied, We have sinned against the Lord. We will go up and fight as the lord our god has commanded us so every one of you put on his weapons thinking it easy to go up into the hill country but the lord said to me tell them do not go up and fight because i will not be with you you will be defeated by your enemies so i told you but you would not listen you rebelled against the lord's command and in your arrogance you marched up into the hill country The Amorites who lived in those hills came out against you. They chased you like a swarm of bees and beat you down from Seir all the way to Hormah. You came back and wept before the Lord, but he paid no attention to your weeping and turned a deaf ear to you. And so you stayed in Kadesh many days, all the time you spent there. So they were presumptuous that since they agreed to obey now, that God would give them victory over their enemies. Yet even when God warned them through Moses that he would not be with them and they would face defeat, they arrogantly defied God's command yet again. So when it happened as he said, and they were defeated by the Amorites, he ignored their cries, described as turning a deaf ear to them. It's an interesting image. Usually someone turns their ear towards someone so they can hear them better. But what use is it to turn an ear that cannot hear? They can cry all they want. He won't hear them. They would receive no sympathy from him. They spent the majority of their time in the wilderness there, in the same area um, around Kadesh. The land was before them, and they were told to take it. But they trusted in human wisdom instead, which led to fear and unbelief, loss of blessing, rebellion, defeat, and alienation from God. Moses tells them their failures before he goes into God's law to show them that their only hope is to trust in God. They are unable to please God in their own strength. They are no match for their enemies on their own. Choosing to go their own way only got them 40 years of wandering in the wilderness. Obedience would lead to the promised land. Obedience had to be based on faith and trust in God's word. Scarlet Threads So what scarlet threads or hints of Jesus Christ or application to the gospel do we find in this chapter? This generation had seen the faithfulness of God in bringing them out of Egypt and the judgment of God on their parents and grandparents for distrust and disobedience of God. These things were written for our sake as well, so we can learn from their mistakes and not repeat them four times in this chapter Moses says God led them in the way they should go Jesus said I am the way and the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me Early Christians were called followers of the way They had faced many formidable enemies in the past and would again in future but God would be with them and would show his strength as he did in Egypt We fight spiritual enemies that would be too strong for us, but in the armor of God we are able to stand. Jesus has already triumphed. Moses used the image of a loving father carrying his son to describe God's care for Israel. Believers in the New Covenant era are described in familial terms. We have a heavenly father, and we are brothers and sisters of one another. And Paul says he cared for them as a mother and as a father and Jesus uses the image of a mother bird covering its chicks with its wings as how he longed to care for Israel. You've been listening to the podcast Bible Companion series by author P. H. Thompson. If you enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe and comment. Continue listening for Deuteronomy chapter 2. May God bless the study of his word.